All right, I say when I do these that uh, these are standalone. Uh, I really actually, when I, I do mean it when I say that, that these are uh, supposed to be standalone uh, video podcasts and or audio podcasts if you're listening that way. And I'm just not sure if it's accurate. I, I, I do honestly mean that, but we, we are building up a number of different ideas here in the Idea Collision. And as we do, I, I, I start to combine some of the ideas that we've had from the past, some of the different things that we're, we're going through, and kind of look at them in different combinations, different ideas. Uh, my name is Andrew Green. I am the minister at the Waukesha Church of Christ, and I'm the host for this podcast, and uh, among other things. But um, I, I don't want to draw exclusively from other podcasts, but right now we're kind of in a, a series that is so connected to some other topics. That, in fact, some of them are split up, um, so so they are different, um, you know, different ideas uh, from things that we've done. So I'll I'll try to draw as little as possible from from previous ones. And of course, if you do want to get a richer kind of understanding of the things that we're going through, you can go and look at some of our previous podcasts. Uh, when I can remember which ones they were, I try to detail those. Um, but some of the ide- previous ideas that we're kind of combining, um, we talked last week um, about the idea of using fear or victimization as a kind of a, a fake way uh, uh, of, of getting these feelings of personal value and personal worth. And um, a a long time ago, we talked about, when we were talking about truth, we talked about the idea of avoidance, that there are things that we do to avoid realities. And some of these ideas we're going to kind of look at kind of together. And um, I guess I do kind of want to begin where we left off. Again, try to be this, have this be its own idea. Um, that is with the sense of accomplishment. We talked about the, the importance of accomplishment, or we touched on the the idea that accomplishment uh, is um, one of the things that, that people don't have. Um, and I, I kind of want to explore that a little bit uh, deeper. And, and um, you know, it is just a simply a fact that doing something, accomplishing something, gives you a true sense of value. You feel a purpose. I mean, that's one of the things that that people are looking for is what is the meaning of life or what is my purpose? And that's one of the questions. And so that question intrinsically revolves around the idea of functioning and, and, and accomplishing. Uh, so... Uh, it is one of our primary sources of worth. And the root of many problems, as we will see, and this one is included, uh, many of our problems of dysfunction, emotional health, various things like that, is the dysfunction of previous generations that have has given us kind of some of the, the consequences of this. And, um, you know, one thing that's happened, uh, I think, in our generations previous last several previous generations is that children have not been trained how to do uh and i'll give you i kind of run through an example of this um and um now it's it's okay not to know how to do everything right i don't know how to do everything 
I bought a house. I was a homeowner for the first time, and I've worked in various jobs, so there were things that I knew how to do. But a lot of things I didn't know how to do, and so I've been YouTubing things. And that's it's a great tool for, for some of that, some of the, they call DIY or whatever. Uh, I'd never made cabinets before. Now, if you, as I say, if you come to my house, I, I said this before, I've used this illustration, you find out that I don't do it that well. Uh, I do it passable and store stuff, and it, they kind of look half decent, uh, right? Because I did it myself, because I didn't know how to do it. But I have been able to accomplish that. And that was a great feeling of accomplishment, seeing those in and whatnot, regardless of how, you know, perfect they look. There was a sense of accomplishment. I, I ended up with a finished product. And, you know, I... uh I got into hunting two years ago. Again, I'm not a great hunter, uh, but I want to try to go out there and not waste my time. So I'm YouTubing videos on how to do things and how to set up and what to do and what time of the year to do it and all these different things, right? So especially since this year I picked up a crossbow, or last year technically, I picked up a crossbow. And so so that's I know uh, it's a lot more difficult in terms of, you know, uh, some of the strategies that you have to use. So uh, now I suppose if I had been raised with a, a person, you know, that, that knew that if I had a two-parent home and all these other things, I, I probably would have had a mentor who showed me those. Uh, but I didn't, so I have to figure out these other ways. Now uh, there is something I, I ran across um, several years ago, uh, and and. Uh, it, what, I couldn't believe that I had heard this. I'm like, what is this word even? I mean, I know what it means, but it was just kind of irritating that, that we have to have this, that we live in a society where colleges have a college course called adulting, right? Adulting. What does What is adulting? Um, and uh, it's basically teaching kids to do the simple things that, you know, not maybe uh, two generations ago, Kids knew how to do it at 16, 17 years old. Right? They weren't even 18, and they knew how intrinsically to do some of these things, simply like changing the tire on your car uh, or, uh, you know, how to cook a meal. You know, just don't starve. You're a kid. We know. You're in college. How not, how to, how not to starve other than peanut butter and jelly or ramen? Um, things like this or... Um, how to make a basic budget for yourself. You know, how to understand you have so much money that you make a week and you can't spend more than that and and how to write that down on a piece of paper. That's budgeting. And, and so uh, so that is called adulting. And, and it, it covers more than that. A lot of these things you might... And, and when people say, why do we have to have this all of a sudden? Why didn't we not have this before? And I... And so I was looking at various websites and explaining this phenomenon. And one of them, one of them blamed this academics. They said we're so focused on academics that that we're we're taken away from this. Well, that's a nice try. Un- unfortunately, I've seen our academics. We we another college course that that are is being taken, or multiple college courses that are being offered now are remedial math and remedial English, like how to read, how to spell, uh, how to do simple, your four main math functions, multiplication, division, subtraction, addition. That's remedial math. That's remedial English. 
we have college courses that are teaching these things. How did we get to, you know, I graduated, I'm 18, and I'm going to college, and I don't know how to add. It's not, it's not, so the problem, in other words, is not that we are spending too much time on academics. That That's not a problem. There's somewhere else that, that somehow kids aren't learning to adult. It's not because, you know, we've got this hyper focus on, uh, on math or English skills. Something else is going on. So let's back up to the 60s, 1963, in fact. In uh, 1963, uh, they passed, you know, I guess some schools started teaching, so legislation to, to start teaching certain classes. And it was called home economics, or what we called home ec. Home ec was a very sexist idea originating. It was, it was, you know, it was one of those noble ideas that was really underneath it all was very sexist. It was a, a class that said, essentially, we want women to to be in careers, and so what we're going to do is we're going to teach them to do the things that they really like to do. They like to cook. They like to clean. They like to. Uh, to sew, right? And so, so people that made this curriculum said, these are the things that girls like to do. We're going to teach them how to do it. Now, prior to 1963, apparently they were learning it because these things were happening. They were learning it different places. So they were learning it at home. But, but as you know, you have that World War II generation, and and you have divided homes because of you know maybe someone that's got lost or someone that's you know dealing with an alcoholic father that's not home you're you're having absent parents a little bit more even when there's a two parent home well so so what's going on then is that uh you know things that would have been taught at home are not being taught at home who knew well uh where did home ec go cuz i had home ec i had home ec in the 80s because what it ended up being is it ended up teaching boys. They said, you know what? The boys could use some of this too. Why all of a sudden the boys? You know, Were they pushing boys towards sewing careers or something like that? No, that's that's not what's going on. In the 80s, we have single-parent homes. And so stuff that boys used to know how to do, oh, you know, they don't know how to do it because you know there was a time where mom is cooking. Guess what? People in the house are helping. It doesn't make a difference if you're a boy or a girl. So, so they thought you know what maybe just maybe more than just girls need this class and and so that's all through the 80s we had home ec what happened where where did home ec go cuz you can't find a home ec class in most schools today what it, they are very faintly starting to make a comeback in in some areas i guess from what i've heard i've not seen it where did where did home ec go well um uh, in the 90s, there was a new thing that was very popular. It wasn't academics, per se. It was computers. And so a lot of those blocks of time that weren't math and reading and all that, those um, those now got, some of the other stuff got pushed off of the table. Like square dancing, not a part of schools anymore. Who knew? Uh, that was a good one to go. Uh, it, it, so in, in favor of something else, I don't know. But, but, but So some of that old-fashioned stuff got pushed off the table. And now computers taking up a good chunk of time. Okay, so we have computers. But that's not the last thing that, that came. So so that was just one of the 
I guess, the, the programming things in school that happened. But now, in the 2000s, we've had a big uh, push on uh, some of the social uh, different things that going on it's, instead of the academics and instead of even the computers now. Um, I mean, the computers are still there and some of the technology and robotics and various stuff like that. But but there's now this emphasis on on all the social ideas. So, and and when I say that, you know what I'm talking about, right? Uh, the 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 push for some of these political and various types of agendas, and that's you know that's so popular for educators now that it's even working its way into all of the academics, right? So so it's not over academic you know, saturation in our kids. But now that stuff is so popular that it's overwhelming the actual academics. So math is about this and history is about this and science is about global warming and like it's infecting every part of our education, this social stuff. And that's why, or that's that's this last, you know, different uh the the last appearance i guess the the last manifestation of where we've kind of gotten off the beaten path but it doesn't start there and it doesn't certainly doesn't start with you know a lack of emphasis on uh or an overemphasis rather uh, on academics so um now uh we we you know we get through all of these classes. <clears throat> Their day is still full. In fact, it's maybe full more than it was. They're starting in 4K now, and uh, 3K, I guess, as they even call that. Uh, and, and they go through all this, and they have diplomas. They're getting diplomas. They're getting all this. They have all this activity, but they are now, uh, like we said, we, they're still going to college, and they don't know how to do math. Right. They have a lot of activity, but they don't have a lot of productivity in those 12 years of school or 12-plus years. And so so there are two things that are at fault here. The first one is the home. The home was the one to start abandoning them back in the 60s even. That's why HOMEC came about uh, in the first place. HOMEC wasn't always a thing. Uh, but then, as a backdrop, education was a backdrop to try to kind of fill in the gaps for, for parents. Now, that's derelict in duty uh, because of all the other stuff that they're wanting to teach. So kids aren't learning basic skills uh, that are needed to live. <clears throat> so in the absence of this capability, right, they don't know how to do things, and so now self-worth is starting to suffer because kids don't feel able to do. They're paralyzed by, you know, sometimes legitimate fears. I don't know how to do this. Uh, they've not been taught how to achieve or how to be productive. They just have been taught how to be active. They know how to be active. But we intrinsically know that we're supposed to be productive, and this is a problem. This is a part of my design. I want to be productive. I want to accomplish things. I want I want, at the end of the day, I want things that I can say, I did this. Now, uh, we're just wired this way, and men especially. Uh, I know some people don't like when I say men this and women that. 
both of us are, you know, both sides of the human race are designed to uh, to want to be productive. That don't he- hear me say that that's, you know, only one side needs to be productive. But men and women suffer differently from not having certain things. And men are really wired for productivity as a part of their identity and as a part of their self-worth. A man loses a job, watch his mood. He can, he can get ultra depressed. Now, a woman might not feel good, but she might hers will be more from the perspective of not being able to have money for kids or not whatever. Like it's always interpreted through a relationship. Man, a man can be single and he he will still find depression in not having a job. He might not understand it as depression. He might think he's fine. He's like, woohoo, I'm free. But you watch his mood. He's not in a good mood a lot of the time because he's not productive. He's not being, you know, he's not filling his male need for that. Women, on the other hand, will suffer depression for things that guys typically won't. Uh, they suffer from losing relationships. I know, like again, it's not that no guy has ever, you know, they don't go crazy when, when you know, a, a girlfriend breaks up or whatever. I'm just saying more than not, you will see that that's, that's a female response to, to you know, or depression is a female response to that. And if you don't believe me, just if you have kids or if you remember being a kid, go back to junior high and elementary school, like like from fifth on up to eighth grade. And remember who came home complaining about, you know, this person at school now has this best friend and they're not my best friend and they were crying all the time. It wasn't your son. It wasn't your brother, whoever. It, it's not. that Those are girls that have that problem. Like relationships are primarily an identity or are a primary identity of, of women. That's how, that's how they determine identity is through relationships. Men through productivity and, and through being a, a, a valued member of society uh, in terms of what they accomplish. It is important to both to be able to be productive. Uh, I don't want to just speak to one gender here. Now, we talked last week about synthetic value. There are the fake sources of being a victim and fear, things like that. Uh, so those don't satisfy the need of feeling productive. I want to talk about the way we fill the need of being productive. So instead of those those two things that we talked about last week, sometimes people go in search of some type of productivity. And what they find is activity. The next time you are at a green light, uh, it turn well. It's, you're at a light. You're stopped. It turns green, and nobody moves. You're seeing this exact thing. You're seeing people in need of productivity. So they're, oh, I have a spare moment. I'm going to check my texts. Uh, I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to start writing an email or whatever to to do all, because they need this. I'm constantly being productive. Right, they they can't do that at the office. They've got to do that in their car at, at a green light. Uh, and so this behavior is learned at a very young age. Uh, kids want to feel productive, and adults aren't teaching them. Or maybe in a weird way, adults are teaching them. I guess, 
But um, so you see kids uh, with the video games, right? Now, I played video games when I was a kid. Um, they looked a lot different, and I didn't have access to them nearly so often. Uh, they're everywhere now, on a, not on a phone, on any number of devices that they have. Uh, and, and so they're they're addicted to these games. Well, what are games doing? Well, games have them doing things and accomplishing things, and there's regular things that they have to come back for to get their daily challenge or to get this thing and, and unlock this, get this reward. So that they're constantly, it's designed to be addictive to keep them coming back because, you know, there's money in it for whoever makes the game through advertising or through whatever. Um, so, uh, so this is one of the things that makes it so addictive is it, it, it fills this need for being productive, even though they're not really being productive. I'm, I'm, uh, and they'll, kids will even talk like it. Um, uh, they'll say, you know, like, oh, today I defeated the Russians. Oh, oh really? You defeated the Russians? You're like, yeah, they stole a shipment of chlorine gas, and me and this other guy, we had to do this thing to to get it back, and we won. It's really. Well, those Russians are pretty dumb. Uh, I, I think I got that from a. I just I, I don't know the game, but it's uh, Call of Duty something rather something rather. Anyway, from a couple of years ago. So I was like, what? man, uh, you know, uh, the Russians must be pretty dumb because as it turns out, chlorine gas is pretty cheap. Uh, so <laughs> I don't know why they're stealing shipments of this stuff for a you know a World War One uh, chemical warfare thing. But you know, okay. Uh, and, and well, kudos to you for, for defeating the Russians from your room. You didn't even make your bed and you defeated the Russians. So good. What what do you do in the afternoon? Oh, I'm going to dress up like a banana and save the world. Like, oh, oh, well, that's, that's good. You know, dress up like a banana and save the world. Um, so, uh, with a gun, uh, right. Well, uh, and, uh, that's, I guess, uh, from Fortnite. I don't play either of those games, um, uh, but. Those are the two most popular games uh, running. So Call of Duty and Fortnite, yay. Um, but kids, and we can look at the kids and we can say, oh, what what horrible things. But kids aren't the only ones that do this. See, because as I said, parents are teaching them things at the stoplight with the texting. Or, um, you, know, you know, we justify so many things um, as productive that are a part of productivity maybe, but aren't really productivity in themselves. They're active. So in the business world, business meetings, oh, got to love business meetings. Now some business meetings are necessary, but I bet we could weed out a lot of business meetings if you if you wanted to. You could probably get rid of half of the business meetings. And, uh, you know, I, I have one. I do this one all the time. I make lists. I, I I have lists of lists. Like like oh, this is in my list list of this list. And I can I I love to make lists. It makes me feel like I'm productive. I I, I researched and I thought about this thing, and I I now have a spreadsheet. And I have so many spreadsheets. I lose my spreadsheets. I don't know where they're all at. And I go search for them. Where, where which computer is that spreadsheet on now? I don't even know. Is that on this one or is that on my my computer from like four years ago? And uh, I I was driving around. I went out for coffee with my wife, and I'm, we're driving around, 
And as I say, I got into hunting a couple of years ago, and I'm I'm looking into the woods, and uh, and so, so she's like, "What are you doing?" I'm like, "Oh, I'm I'm just you know I'm looking into the woods. You know, I I just have this habit of wonder if you know that person would let me hunt on their property or whatever." And and, and she you know she comes by, and she's like, "Why do you have your map open now this week?" I, I, you know, this was a really busy week for me one of multiple busy weeks for me and you know i'm i was last night up at three in the morning finishing parts of my sermon to preach today and then doing my podcast earlier in the evening and and um or i should say not really finishing up my sermon finishing up my powerpoint for my sermon so i have these things that i'm that ended up taking me till three in the morning to do. Well, why did it take me till three in the morning to do? Well, because earlier in the week I was scrolling around on, you know, Google, Google earth, looking for plots of land, looking for large chunks of trees and going, I wonder if that's uh if that's a huntable piece of land. And, and I'll go and look over here at this parcel thing and see who owns that land. And maybe I'll drive by and, and see if that, you know, it felt really productive in the end. It wasn't really that productive, you know, whether I end up doing that or not, you know, it really put me behind the the eight ball in terms of actual things that I have to accomplish. So, so I'm just saying that we do this ourselves as adults, and this is where kids learn it from. We sometimes replace uh, productivity with a- activity, and they are not the same thing. Uh, and, and while we're all busy doing that. We're not busy teaching our kids how to try things and, and be productive. Religious people do this. No. I, and I mean in a religious sense. We have religious activity that is not productivity. And sometimes, again, it feels like we're doing something. And we might be doing something really small, but it's just not very productive in a, in a true, genuine sense. Like uh, Facebook. All right, You look at the religious Facebook people. And uh, people that are, they always have a meme or they always have something like, okay, that might help a person, maybe. You know, that might make a person feel better. Oh, that was nice. Or or they'll scroll and scroll and scroll and they'll find somebody and they'll comment. And like, oh, I'm here's a person that's got this thinking of you, praying of you, and, and that. And that feels productive. It really doesn't actually do anything. Or or getting involved in a religious debate. What did you do? I spent my afternoon, you know, sharing my opinions on some religious topic and why this person's wrong. Feels productive. It's not really. It's just active. That's what it is. It's activity. Uh, it's Christian activity, but not productivity. Um, sometimes... Uh, there is thing that that does benefit, but it's not really spiritually productive. Um, benevolence can be this. It can be this, where you know what? I'm just going to write a check. I'm just going to do a, this thing, and it, there's no contact. Did it help? Yeah, it helped to a certain degree. It helped someone's physical need for that moment. But did I influence them? Was that was it something spiritual? As is that. That check, that whatever I donated, is that actually ever going to impact a person morally? You know, it was nice. It was benevolent. But did I just check a box? So, uh, you know, it's... And I, I don't want to say that we, we should never play video games. It's, it's nice to have an escape or to read a book. I know we, we when you say... I read a book. Oh, that's cultured. That's very valuable. The book is really not much different than a video game. 
when you think about it. Uh, you might learn something here, depending on what type of book you're reading or whatever. But um, I'll just leave you with about five or six questions. Did I impact anyone directly? You know, go through your week, go through your day, and say, did I impact anyone today? Is anyone better off because I I breathed air today? Uh, did I form a relationship or deepen a relationship in some way? Uh, did I learn or teach something of value? That's similar to some of these, but but was there actually an imparting of some value? Uh, am I better off? Uh, the fourth one, did I improve myself in any way? That's kind of similar again. Did I improve myself in any way? Am I personally better off for the activity that I did? Uh, and, and can I quantify that? And then here's one that I like. Um, did I create a story? You know, years from now, you're going to be talking with people that are younger than you. Do you have any stories to tell? Uh, you know, the further back in time you go, it seemed like people had stories to tell. Or or all your stories going to be about a video game that you played for, you know, your entire youth and and never saw the outdoors. Uh, did you do anything that's that's going to create, like there was this one time we did this one thing, you know, riding your bike down a hill, like like the story I told about my grandfather, riding, riding your bike down a hill without using your brakes till you get to the bottom and you're doing some stupid thing. That's a story that, that, that sticks with with people. It's, it's like, wow, that, that's some crazy thing you get you did. It doesn't have to be that wasn't really that productive, but but did you do something that that created a story? Because those actually those stories might be a thing that is productive and and relates to somebody or or gives you an opportunity to develop a relationship and then through that impact somebody. But if all you've got is yeah, I played video games, you have no real way to connect to somebody. Or yeah, I scrolled Facebook for my entire. You know, from from nineteen to thirty seven, that 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 age bracket, I was just scrolling Facebook. Uh, other than the few emails that I I sent off at uh, at red lights and or excuse me at green lights and 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 irritated the people behind me. So uh, ask yourselves those those questions uh, and, and learn to make those a part of your day and kind of uh, as a checklist through throughout. And I I think that if we do that, we'll start to notice that. You know, our our life is a little bit more valuable uh, because we're being productive. We're not just filling hours uh, of time, chunks of time with with events that that really aren't significant. But but we're really doing something, and we're leaving other people with something. And in in the long run, that is what will make you feel valuable: being a part of other people. All right. Uh, see you next week.